The Drive continues with Need to Know Basis on TSN 1200. Hour three of The Drive. Lieber Sage, AJ Jackie, back, Matt Connors, Vita. Busy, busy hour. Uh, we'll hear from Jacob Chicker and talk to Bob Dice. Here's what you need to know. You need to know the sense of a massive game in Seattle tonight. 10 o'clock, the drop of the puck here on TSN 1200. 8 o'clock, the pregame. Uh, DJ Smith didn't give a lot about his lineup. We expect Mad Sogard to be in goal. We do expect Patrick Brown to be in the lineup. And we'll see what else DJ Smith has in store uh, to go up against Seattle tonight. And then on the weekend, it'll be Vancouver and Calgary before the team heads to Edmonton on Tuesday. If you're a Sens fan and you're scoreboard watching tonight, you can decide whether you want the Islanders or Pittsburgh to win the game Probably hoping that it ends in regulation, though. The Islanders visit Pittsburgh at 7 o'clock. The Dallas Stars are in Buffalo also at 7 o'clock tonight. Another game that uh, will affect Ottawa. Uh, Speaking of the Ottawa Senators and the 67s, uh, they both provided an update on Sens prospect and 67s player Tyler Boucher. In consultation with the Senators' medical staff, it's determined that Tyler requires a surgical procedure to repair a torn labrum in his right shoulder, said Senators GM Pierre Dorian. Suffered the injury while playing at the World Juniors, tried to rehab it when he came back, aggravated it against Kingston last week, and they have decided to shut him down and have the surgery. The Briar, Northern Ontario, has punched their ticket to the playoffs, and you can kind of tell because Manitoba's putting the boots to them 8-2 in the eighth end, and Manitoba, Matt Dunstone, the only undefeated rank. They're going to move to 8-0. and oh. uh, Wild card two, one of AJ's favorite teams. Uh, Reed Carruthers still battling. Uh, they're on 3-3 with Saskatchewan right now, and as we look ahead to some action tonight, in third place in Pool B, it is Mike McEwen at 5-2, and two, but they take on WC3 tonight in another big wildcard game. Uh, we can end with this, AJ, because uh, we'll talk about it a little bit here. Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky, Sophie Schmidt, and Quinn testifying about Canada Soccer's pay equity issues and budget cuts before the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage Today here in Ottawa. And uh, you can follow Rick Westhead on Twitter. Uh, He has a number of updates on how this is going. MPs asking some important questions. And again, you can follow along. Let's talk about this, AJ, because right before this all started, Candace Soccer put out details of a proposed national team's collective bargaining agreement just hours before the players were testifying. And a lot of the complaints have been that they're negotiating in the dark, the secrecy that's been going on. And suddenly Canada Soccer, it looks uh, awfully suspicious. And I don't know that much about it. Listening to you want to get your opinion to put this out right before the testimony is going to take place seems a little, um, I guess from my point of view, ill-timed, but tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. 
<laughs> I mean, nothing like saying you're not going to negotiate in the media and then sending out a press. Like, they didn't even leak it through somebody. Sources say, no, just going to send out a press release with, you know, everything that was in their offer last year. Yeah, not not ideal. Uh, some of the statements today, I mean, Christine Sinclair talking about a negotiation session with Canada Soccer, with Nick Bontis, who thankfully has stepped down as Canada Soccer president. I don't ever want to hear that guy speak again. And how he remarked to a colleague, what was Christine bitching about? That's awfully respectful. Uh, Janine Becky saying uh, when it came to their contract with Canada Soccer Business, either they had no idea it was a terrible deal for Canada Soccer or they knew it was a terrible deal and did it anyway. Uh, Quinn talking about budget cuts and how it means sometimes players have to make choices about which medical treatments to receive when staff physiotherapists are stretched. Sophie Schmidt talking about budget cuts and how it's hollowed out youth programming, leaving their national team with only one camp per calendar year. Uh, Not good when you've got conservative MP Kevin Waugh, and he's out of Saskatchewan. He's got a sports background. He was a Mm -hmm. longtime sports broadcaster in that province. Calling the disclosure of the uh, details of the CBA offer from Canada Soccer, which they released today, called it disgusting. So clearly he wasn't fooled by their tactics. Not a good situation. And again, I think I'm glad the women are at the forefront of this because they're the ones that have carried this country soccer wise over the course of the last 20 years. Uh, the men have done a terrific job over the course of the last three or four years and got to a world cup and captured a large part of the nation in doing so. But the women have been darlings of this country for a long time, uh, for many 20 years, but certainly for, I think for most at least 11 years, right. And you think of, London 2012 and what that meant for this country. And I I just think it's brutal that players that are icons in this country have been treated in such a manner, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a problem. This is not just a women's national team problem. This is a problem across the board. That's why the men's team and the women's team are side by side in this trying to get fair deals all the way around. This is a problem all the way around. It's why the men went on strike. It's why the women almost went on strike. And you you just hope that they can get some fresh blood in there and try and find a new way to do things. But with Nick Bontis being out and that press release that was sent out today by Canada Soccer doesn't give me a lot of confidence that things are going to change in a positive manner with the leadership. Well, how could it? It seems like they're more at odds now 
Why would you ever release this right before the women are going to testify unless you're trying to, like, pull one over on them? Like, that's not working Just, together. It's a distraction, right? Yeah. They're trying to distract. They're trying to get people in their corner. It, it wasn't a very good move. All right. We'll talk. They, it's, been, it's been a nightmare. It's been nightmare after nightmare for them in terms of how they've handled this for over a year now. All right, we'll talk more about it as the show goes along. But coming up next, the head coach of your Ottawa Red Blacks will speak to Bob Dice on the drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to the drive. It's Lever Sage. It's AJ Jackieback and uh, Mac Conazvita. Take a break from some of the hockey talk. We will uh, hear from Jacob Chikrin. Later on in the hour, but let's go to the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. And we welcome in the head coach of your Ottawa Red Blacks. It is Mr. Bob Dice. Coach, how are you? Oh, I'm doing greatly. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, myself and AJ got a chance to get down and have a little meet and greet with all the coaches uh, today. Um, nice to have your whole group together for a few days, I'm sure, for you. Oh, 100%. You know, uh Obviously, we've been working the past couple months, uh, mostly exclusively on teams, and the personal interaction uh, this week has just been fantastic. Uh, been able to sit in on meetings with obviously on both sides of the ball and with Corey McDermott and see how these guys communicate and uh, work together has been uh, just great. How important is it that you have a group that you know can get along and and you know, especially in difficult times, especially in times when, you know, guys are going to and and women are going to challenge each other uh, just to have a group that is respectful of one another and, you know, uh, genuinely likes each other as uh, as a coaching staff. Well, you know, obviously that's something that uh, you, you would like, like to build. And uh, anytime you're uh, even putting the staff together, obviously you're looking at the types of uh, personalities that the people have. And, you know, in our business, uh the majority of us are, are fairly aggressive people, but uh, again, the group that uh, we've got together here is uh, also a respectful group. And, uh, you know, so now it's just like when you get with the players, uh, what this week is great for is building relationships because, uh, you know, a lot of our success will come on trust and belief in each other. And so it's great to get uh, the face-to-face interaction. I think it's great that your first answer here had special teams in it twice which is amazing (laughs) (laughs) how much it's still important to you as the head coach. We had a great conversation two days ago with Nadia Ducour added to your coaching staff full time. And she told a story about going to you when you were the special teams coach and, you know, presenting you with an idea. And, you know, at the time you're the best special teams coach in the league and how much time that you gave her and the ideas that she had and just being able to, take in a lot of different information uh, and how appreciative she was of that interaction. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, as a head coach, you got to listen to all sorts of people. doesn't matter what kind of coach you are and their ideas and how great it is to have Natty on staff. Well, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, when you put, put together, you know, I guess there's 11 of us uh, all together. Um, what you want is the different, um, I should say outlooks and ideas from people because <clears throat> certainly you know 
you have your belief in what you do, but that doesn't mean it's the only way or it's the only right way to do things. And I think uh, anytime you want to be successful, it's uh, when you put a group together of strong people who uh, you believe in their backgrounds and you believe in what they've done to this point, it's all about the interaction and intermingling of ideas that is going to make us successful. You know, at Nadia, you know, you know, someone I've known for the last couple of years now uh, and had interactions with my first interaction was seeing her speak about building a staff in our clinic last year. And even from that first interaction, I could tell, uh, you know, the passion that she brought and she had a good understanding of, of everything and, knew that she'd be a fantastic addition, and, you know, this is a year later. Um, but uh, very excited to have her on staff. How much do you try to learn in the off season just about the art of coaching? You know, there's the football stuff, and I'm sure you're always trying to learn and get better every year, but just, you know, maybe branching out into different sports. or uh, what, what, what is kind of the off season like for you in, in trying to get better as, uh, as a coach in this league? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with regards to the football, you're always, like you said, AJ, uh, you're always going to try and um, devise or do things better. And you're going to, you know, whether you're taking, under, taking a look at how certain things are done in the NFL or maybe how other teams in the league do it and through discussions with other coaches across the continent. Uh, but as well, you know, I, I think a lot of your success in, in this business, like for myself, uh, I spend a lot of time in getting a better understanding of the mental aspect and not of just sports in general and uh, interacting and in building relationships and identifying, you know, maybe certain weaknesses that I have that uh, I want to improve upon. And then once I source out, or I know that weakness and I source out uh, ideas or people who can help me with that so that I can become more a complete coach and be able to relate to everybody or find different ways. You know, once you've been doing something for 20 years, um, or you've been in a place like Ottawa, I have for seven years, you've got to find different ways to say different things uh, to get your your points across. So there's so many different ways that uh, you just continually to work uh, to become better at your craft. Leadership and you know, you have always had to do that as a special teams coach. And I remember talking to you uh, last year, the year before, and just about, you know what, just because I'm not the head coach, I'm the head coach of the special teams and kind of looking at it that way. So how much has your perspective changed over the course of the winter now that you are the head coach? Is it that much different from what you were doing before? Well, you know, I, I think there's some things that are that are similar, um, and some some things that are a lot different. Obviously, now there's a certainly a, a lot more um, different things. You know, when you're in special teams, really you're working by yourself a lot of the time, and you're focused just on the special teams. And it's not a matter of how you're bringing everybody together and interacting and working with everybody's schedules or establishing a, a schedule for training camp. Um, but when it comes to leadership, I think, you know, that's probably one of the biggest components and that, uh, we work on over here. You know, I had a meeting this afternoon, uh, with Jeremiah, we were talking about leadership was one of the big things that we were talking about. You know, Jeremiah is such a phenomenal leadership leader and with what he brings to the team. And we're, we're discussing different, uh, different ways, you know, I was, asking him things he he was talking to me about things um because leadership comes in tons of different ways and what we have to do is disperse that leadership throughout the whole team and uh 
And so we're always looking at ways to get better and different uh, ways to attack um, maybe areas of weakness. Talking about Nadia Ducour and the fact that uh, she's a trailblazer as the second full-time coach in the Canadian Football League. You are as well. I mean, you're the first black Canadian coach in the Canadian Football League. Uh, What does that mean to you? You know, uh, it's something that I hadn't uh, hadn't really thought about uh, until an article was uh, was written, and uh, my wife did bring it up at one point. And I didn't I didn't think uh, anything of it. Obviously, when you find out that it's true, obviously you take a great uh, sense of, of uh, in pride in that. Um, you know, to have uh, you know, thankful of uh, Sean giving me the opportunity uh, to do this, um, and yeah, you take pride in the fact that you know I. Myself as growing up a uh, kid of son of uh, immigrants here and growing up uh, from the grassroots to get into a position uh, that I'm in currently, um, yeah, the, you, you take pride in that, and you know, in some regards, you, you feel some responsibility to uh, be successful. But at the end of the day, in this business, you're always looking to be successful. Um, no matter what the situation is. So, you know, you just continue on and you take pride in it and you just keep doing your job. I was asking you today about what you thought of the Behind the R series uh, because, you know, it gives us a little bit of an in-depth look as to what's going on behind the scenes. One thing was quite clear from watching uh, those four episodes, which are so great, uh, was that the team respects you and wants to play for you. And why do you think that is? You know, I, I I often say, um, you know, I, first off, I got to say, you know, credit to Josh. He just did a fantastic job with the whole behind for the last two years with the whole behind the R series. I think it's great that fans get to see a little bit uh, what goes be on behind the closed curtains. Um, for for me, and I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought after uh, giving credit to Josh. Um, I was thinking about AJ and how much he got FaceTime in that. Four episodes as well, so I understand. That's all I started thinking about. Like how much FaceTime AJ got, but no, well, but just just, just about the way that the team reacted to you becoming the head coach, the interim head coach, wanting to play for you, getting you a win. How much it meant to them afterwards. Like just that series showed that the players want to play for you, and that's not something that you just go in and have happen overnight. They clearly have a respect for you that they want to play for you? Well, you know, it, it's funny. Um, sometimes I, I often think, I think that, you know, maybe gets uh, carried uh, uh, a little too far. You know, when, I, when I'm when i coaching, I um, I really want them to, to play for each other. I, I often tell them that, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's your brother across from you that, that, that you're playing for and, you're doing it obviously for you have your own self motivated reasons, and but you want to be doing it for the guy uh, beside you just as much as you're doing it uh, for for yourself. And uh, to I guess what I could say in this is that uh, I'm proud of the fact that they include me in that um, in that same way, and and that they're not just doing it for themselves, but they're doing it for me. And it's no different than my approach for them. I don't I don't do this and work to be successful for myself. I work for 
them to be the best player that they can be and for them to have success. So it's really, I think, just more a true thing of reciprocation and the respect and uh, true, you know, love we have for each other. Uh, And it just comes out maybe a little bit differently because I'm a coach, but I think we're, it it shows that we're all in the same boat together and uh, they're just maybe showing that and maybe some of their relation for their teammate, they're just, if they're asked about me and maybe it just transfers on to me. Had a great chat with Kahari Jones today, and I mean, uh, what a career he's had from player to to coach and head coach, and how important is it to have somebody, you know, you, you've got a lot of people on that staff that you can lean on, but a guy like Kahari who's been around this league for so long, he's been a part of eight different organizations, only Toronto is uh, the only organization he didn't either play or coach for, and a guy that you've worked with before, but has been in your job as well, just to be able to lean on him uh, at, at times and go to him for advice, maybe uh, on certain things. Well, you know, I, again, I, uh, I'm a firm believer of uh, uh, you want people around you who are successful and strong leaders and uh, the better people you have around you means you're, you're going to be more successful. And Gary embodies that. Um, like you've said, I mean, I've known Kari, well, I coached him as a player and uh, then coached with him. And obviously he's been successful as a player. He's been successful as a coach and um, brings a whole lot of resources uh, for me to, to work with. And um, and so that's, that's why I was ex- excited that uh, he was available and excited that he wanted to work with me because exactly that, um, when you're in this type of position, there's going to be different ways. There's always different ways to handle it, and he's be a great sounding board for me and have great ideas, and that's why I'm very excited to be working with him. You were already a really good coach here when Sean Burke was hired. Uh, went through a process uh, that you even described as a very difficult process before you were named the permanent head coach. How has your relationship with the general manager evolved? Oh, I think, you know, uh, probably more than anything, we we know each other more. I mean, Sean and I are, are like-minded in a lot of ways, um, but we, we've had to interact a lot more um, as head coach and GM than we did as uh, GM and special teams coordinator. And so it's been great to, to grow our uh, relationship in in new ways and just through new uh, inter- interactions about uh, so many so many different things now and uh, and so it just continues to go grow uh, stronger uh, day by day what's next on the docket for you over the course of the next uh, couple of months getting ready for training camp and how active will you be and just uh, you know obviously the the personnel people handle the draft but uh, uh, how much of a part will you play just over the course of the next couple of months in that process well you know uh, it's funny you ask that um we're just really obviously free agency ended a little little while ago. I guess just about a, uh, just under a month ago, and you know right now obviously focused on this this week having the coaches in here, but uh, going forward obviously that's a main main talk topic for us. Um, you know, come the twentieth I'll be in uh, Edmonton. We'll start off with rules committee and then the new version of the combine there. And uh, we just met with Chad Hudson who does a phenomenal job. Um, with the with the draft for us, and uh, had a great teams call with him as we we all start preparing. Uh, we've got getting our list of players to watch and evaluate, and um, so we'll go forward and 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 do our part in the evaluation progress uh, uh, process. Sorry, and um, 
then go go forward from them. Obviously, I'll meet with the coordinators uh, and uh, and the personnel department, and you know those guys will form will all formulate formulate a plan uh, to take care of that. Is whereas and then we as coaches we continue to work work through our training camp and our installations uh, going forward and uh, getting getting ready in those regards. As the snow melts, what do you look forward to more, uh, football and training camp getting closer or motorcycle season getting closer? <laughs> well, uh, really looking looking forward to football season, obviously. You know, this year uh, we're very excited about uh, our prospects uh, uh, in the 2023 season. So I, I would definitely say uh, uh, football is, is the main, main focus, and that's what I'm looking for. Motorcycles, uh, my motorcycle will always be there. I'll do my little tinkering, uh, you know, when I get a few hours on Saturday or Sunday. But uh, really, really excited for this upcoming season. But did you build a bike over the winter? I did not this year. I did not. I knew I would not have uh, the time to uh, <laughs> uh, invest in in that. So I, I planned on. I just did a couple uh, modifications uh, that I knew I could uh, get done quickly. My painter just uh, sent me a picture and let me know that uh, my new fender is uh, painted. And so I'll throw that on um, next time I'm home in Winnipeg, and uh, I'll be pretty much done to get her on the road. And last one for you, we were there, and they did the staff picture. They got a bunch of smiling faces, and then I thought the head coach was trying to send a message, being straight-faced. And then they had to ask you a couple of times, like, hey, do, do you smile? The rest of the group's smiling, and there's, there's stern head coach Bob Dice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what, the, what, what that was about, Uh you know, if they if you ask me to smile, I'll I'll, I'll smile. But probably most pictures, uh, if if you look, I've I've got I've got a, I've got a straight look on my face. And uh, when she asked me after, I, I definitely smile. <laughs> like it, right down to business. The head coach, uh, Bob Dice. Uh, thanks very much. We enjoyed the, the the meet and greet, and you know, most importantly, get that group together and look forward to training camp. Likewise, and appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to come by. Thanks, coach. There goes Coach Bob Dice of the Ottawa Red Blacks on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Gabriel Pizza, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. I liked it. He, he wasn't he wasn't budging until finally somebody asked him. They got. I don't think he knew the smiling faces behind him. Everyone had a smile. AJ, Coach was straight faced. I took a picture here, and can confirm he's the only one not smiling yeah. in the picture. Oh, I I saw it. I'm like, there's a lot of smiling faces behind him, but I don't think he's. He's straight faced, and you know I, he said to me too. And I, the the behind the eyes, I think it showed me in a really good light. I, I don't know how much it showed, like how much of a like a hard ass I can be. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's good. Like you're the you're the coach. He's like, yeah, I'm not the easiest guy. Like people think sometimes, yeah, right. And you know, he's not that. Well, I, he, I, he's he, competitive, he be, he's he fiery, he's demanding, right? And yes. that's why I think he's got the right mix to be a head coach because yep. I think you want, especially in 2023, I think you want a coach. Andy Reid, is there, right? He's a Super Bowl champion again. Andy Reid, players mm-hmm. love him, mm-hmm. but he's also very demanding. Mm-hmm. You You want somebody who demands the best out of you, not because he demands the best out of you just because of the team, but he wants the best for you personally. And so he's going to hold guys accountable. He's going to set a standard that is high, and he expects you to reach that standard. 
So it's not just about being a good guy. Yeah, he is a great guy in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting these people to succeed on and off the field, wanting them to be really good football players, but also wanting them to be really good men. And I think that's a big reason why players love playing for them. But he will absolutely set a standard and will not accept cutting corners. And I think that is why I expect he's going to be a really good head football coach here. Mm -hmm. And he has surrounded himself with a really good group. Having a guy like Travis Moore come back as the receivers coach is a a real win. I I know what a great job, right? You you think of the Ottawa Red Blacks and 4,000-yard receivers. Who was the receivers coach? It was Travis Moore. You look at the defensive line, best defensive line that they've had last year in terms of their play. Yeah, it didn't lead to a lot of wins. Who's back? Michael Fair, head coach of the D-line. Kari Jones, I mean, he could and probably should be a head coach in this league. Did a great job in Montreal. Only reason he's not there is because Danny Machocha came in and wanted to bring in his own people, which, for better or worse, that's his prerogative. But I'm glad he's here as an Ottawa Red Black. So I, I think, you know, up and down this staff, and there's a lot of guys with just experience around the Canadian Football League and some newcomers as well, Dad, a little bit of fresh blood. I, I think up and down, when you look at the staff, it, it looks like a really good staff on paper, and I think that's a credit to the head coach because, A, they want to be around him, but B, more importantly, and he talked about it, he wanted to surround himself mm-hmm. with good people to make him and this football team better. We'll hear from Jacob Chikrin when the drive returns on TSN 1200. Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to the drive, Lever Stage. AJ Jackie back, Matt Connors Vita. Uh, Seattle music going on today. Can the Senators beat the Seattle Kraken tonight? If they're going to do so, they're going to have to have a big game from one of their new acquisitions. Uh, Jacob Chikrin spoke to the media. Uh, not all that long ago, and here is Jacob Chikrin speaking with the media. When you're trying to erase a game like Mondays, is the best remedy or medicine to get right back out there? In other words, are you anxious to play here tonight? 100%. I think all the boys are. I think that's the great thing about hockey. You know, we play so many games, it's it's easy to have a short memory and come out and put a good effort here tonight and have a chance to make up for it. So we're excited for the opportunity, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of energy tonight. Any particular key that you have to focus in on a team that um, is number one in five-on-five play? Yeah, we went over some video this morning, and um, yeah, they definitely they feed off turnovers and, and other teams, and you know they transition really well. So I think playing a sound game, making sure we're you know just playing within our structure and, and not feeding you know their strengths. We need to continue to you know play hard and get on our forecheck. I think that's when we're at our best couple of games and a few practices under your belt now how do you feel that uh, you're fitting in with the versatility of this defensive group I think great I mean I think uh, you know it's a great group of guys in there and um, you know the decor you know we got guys who can you know play every night and guys who are sitting out that are really good players so it's you know it's good a little you know inner competition and and uh, the guys all love each other in there. I mean, it's, you know, we want to go to battle with one another and, and have fun and win hockey games, and um, I think that shows. 
You've gotten to see uh, yourself alongside Jake Sanderson on the power play unit. With a skill set like yours, have you seen that very often in your, your career, having two defensive members on the power play? Yeah, I've, I, you know, in Arizona we did it a little bit, and, you know, I was with uh, Ghost and uh, Alex Goligoski for a bit. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's nice. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I think um, Sandy's a heck of a player and a guy can really distribute the puck from the back end. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to uh, get a few more looks here tonight and be able to capitalize on one of them. A long road trip like this be good for a new member of a team? Yeah, it's great. I mean, especially there's still so much that needs to be done back home, and it's nice to be able to just put it off a little bit longer. And, okay. you know, my girlfriend just got in there uh, yesterday, or yesterday, and so she's going to help, you know, get settling in over there. But, yeah, it is nice to just kind of focus on hockey a bit longer and get um, together with the guys and uh, have some fun and, and uh, continue to, you know, just get acclimated here. But it's been really, really good. It's Jacob Chikrin. Focusing in on hockey, even though there's some stuff to do back here in Ottawa. <laughs> well, that's the part we don't really think about, right? It yeah. just so much going on when you're talking about a move. And one of the benefits he has is he at least has spent a lot of time in the area, has roots in the area, has family here, right? So that helps, but it's still a transition. Got a girlfriend that's helping him and a part of that as well. So yeah, a lot. I mean, it's been a busy week for him, right? With everything that's gone on Mm -hmm. and probably getting out on the road in a couple of days in Seattle is probably the best thing for him. Right. Whereas if he was back home, he'd probably be doing a a lot of different things. Agreed. Right. Not suggesting he's opening boxes and stuff, but no, but the only thing you can do is concentrate on hockey and being with yeah. the guys. Yeah. As opposed to everything else that you have to do. So I think probably the best thing for him. Yeah. I just went back to see, okay, like I wonder how many times this year he's played against Seattle. Like with Arizona. I know he's out of the lineup for some different times. Seattle has yet to play Arizona. And they play them three times between now and the end of the year. So if you're thinking that Seattle might not be around in the playoff hunt or top of the division, they still have, and not that they're going to win every game, but still have Chicago again. They still have Anaheim again, and they have Arizona three times. Kind of, kind of feel like that's five wins. Yeah. Seattle's going to be a playoff team. By the way, Pittsburgh has 10 games against non-playoff teams. Islanders have nine. Ottawa's got seven. So Ottawa's got the most difficult schedule of the three, Mm -hmm. which we all knew, right? We all knew that it was going to get to, like we talked at the start of the year and, and there's some teams in there like the devils that maybe you thought would be uh, like, let's put it this way. The devils and the Panthers are two teams that would have flipped around. Yes. Now they've got both teams in there, but when you looked at, the schedule at the start of the year, it always felt pretty good until the middle of March. And then you looked and you said, okay, this looks very difficult. And you know what? It still looks really difficult. (laughs) But this is a game you probably would have looked as, okay, well, we'll see with Seattle. And Seattle ends up being a really good team. And 
This is going to be a tough game tonight. Mm -hmm. In the end, they're going to have to win a lot more than they lose to stay in the mix down the stretch. And a lot of those games are against good teams. So they're going to have to win games like tonight on the road against good teams. They did it last week against the Rangers. They're going to need a few more of those. But fun going to a city that they haven't been to as a team yet, right? Fun going, playing in an arena, like new things on the docket here. Yeah, they played there once last year, but. Yeah, but a lot of the teams knew and yeah, like just getting out and doing some things that you haven't done a lot. And it is a great part of the country. Like I love the Pacific Northwest and, and my power rankings. I know you love power rankings, but my power rankings of the three cities. Can't you say favorite cities? No. Power no, rank them? No, I'm power ranking them. Okay. I would probably go Portland 1, Seattle 2, Vancouver 3. And they're all great cities. And Vancouver, probably my favorite city to travel to on the road mm-hmm. in the Canadian Football League. I mean, Edmonton's up there for family reasons. But in right. terms of, like, putting that aside, I love my trips to Vancouver. It's... Especially you go in the summer or the early fall. It's it's fantastic. And they're going to get out there in the spring. And they've spent a few days there already, right? And you just feel good, right? If you can't feel good about going to play a game after spending mm-hmm. a few days in a place that is, again, like you said, for a lot of people, Dylan Gambrell aside, and you know there would have been some Western League players that played some games there, but... You know, this group wouldn't have played a lot right. in Seattle unless you played in the Western League or you're Dylan Gambrell. There are worse places to go on the road for a few days. September 16th, AJ. Got to go Red Blacks in BC. Sounds like a pretty good time of year to go to Vancouver. And I believe we're going out two days early as well. Wow. Well, I told you about the charters. Yep. I I believe, and I like, as long as it's direct, the, because uh, no one ever likes flying to Pearson. <laughs> no. I like actually flying commercial out west. I, If you're asking me if I'd rather fly commercial to Vancouver, Edmonton, or Calgary, or fly charter, I actually prefer commercial. Why? Well, it allows a little bit more flexibility. But the, uh, as I was talking about earlier, the charters are crazy expensive. It's like 200 grand to charter to Vancouver right now. (laughs) Everything is going up everywhere. In North America, at least. Hence me going elsewhere in a couple of weeks. Steve Bunda with a look at your news. AJ will come back with what you need to know. We'll get you into hour four of the drive on TSN 1200.